0: Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you, and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience, and it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you, and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have Corby Mitt here. She is a psychic channel and medium and she's been reading since 1973. She travels coast to coast and into Canada as a full-time intuitive counselor appeared frequently on radio and TV, and is an inspirational teacher and facilitator. facilitator. She is a featured channel in Robert Schwartz's breakthrough series, Your Soul's Plan, Your Soul's Gift, and Your Soul's Love, and is herself the author of Clean Out Your Life Closet, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, and You've Got the Magic Who Needs a Genie. Corby's certifications and affiliations include being a certified tarot master, a member of the American Tarot Association and Tarot Guild, and ordained minister of the Sanctuary of Beloved Order of Melchizedek. Her specific skills include tarot and oracle divination deck readings, spiritual intuitive counseling, past life retrieval and analysis. Mediumship and spirit guide conferences, including speaking with one's soul or higher self. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited to talk to you today, Corby.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me.
0: You do everything that I'm interested in. So,
1: <laughs> general practitioner, you know, when you've been doing it since you were 18 and you're 67, you get a chance to learn a lot of things.
0: Yeah, you started early, so I started later in life, like it wasn't about till 40, till I started really, you know, doing the past lives, the tarot, and all, the readings and everything, so, but today, I'm sure because of your background, you have like 100 million interesting stories to tell <laughs> us, maybe there should yeah, be well, a three-parter or something, oh, I don't
1: know about that, <laughs> Uh, But today, you know, the the title of the show is My Weirdest Experience, so I'm going to tell you about things that happened to me. But in a sense, it's also going to point out why spirit has given me the ability to be a past life specialist. I'll briefly explain. Everybody can do psychic work. We're all wired like the same houseplant. But as far as your specialties go, spirit kind of rifles in your file cabinet to see What you got? And with me, professional actress, a theater major at Brown and acted in New York. So I understand characters. I often say words are my drug of choice. I'm a writer. So I understand how to put a story together. And I have adored history since I was a single digit kid. Put all of that together. And when you have me and another past life specialist and you show us the same thing, They may say, well, it's a long skirt and a big hat in front of a big ornate building. I know this is old fashioned, and that's legitimate. But with my background, I can look at the same thing and say, that's a hobble skirt. You have a picture hat with that kind of an ostrich feather, and you're standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate. I think this is Berlin in 1911. Which one gives you more information? You. (laughs) And this happened, started happening before. I started doing this professionally, and the first situation was in 1985 six, maybe, and at that point, um, there was a Philadelphia rock band. I'm not going to give names and all, because God help us if it gets back to them. Um, The howling in the background is not a wolf. It's a cat who is upset (laughs) that I'm not paying attention to him. I did see his
0: little tail peek out like a shadow of a tail. And then he disappeared. That's
1: that's Harley. (laughs) That's our ginger Ninja. So um, I am not a groupie type. Never have been. But the first time I saw this group, I absolutely fixated on the lead singer. Like I just don't do. And so he became a bit of an obsession. Parallel to this, I was doing a method of uh, holistic healing. It's called rebirthing. And when I was doing that, all of a sudden I saw who was clearly myself. This looked to be 18th century Scotland. This is way before Outlander. And I was this short, butter blonde person hanging on to a taller, obviously aristocratic Scottish lord. I didn't know where that came from because uh, my history stuff was all Tutor Elizabethan England, Wars of the Roses when I was in college. So I knew that I had to do some past life investigation on this, which I started to. And we figured out I was, if you will, the local tavern round Heels. And this Scottish Lord, basically, we'd had a fling. I got pregnant and I tried to blackmail him with it. And one of his retainers drowned me. So it's one of the reasons why this particular body didn't want to have kids. I knew at age 13, I didn't want to have kids. I've died because of children too many times. So we figured out within the band who was his retainer, happened to be his best friend, um, and all of these pieces, but we still did not know who the lead singer had been. Meanwhile, he was married. He had just had a kid before they announced the kid's birth and her name, I dreamt the kid's name. So, you know, a lot of weird coincidences. I was having linguine and clam sauce at a mainline Philadelphia restaurant with a friend who also was doing investigations. And in my head, all of a sudden, I heard the phrase Marcus Baron Gordon Huntley. Now, what's with the two titles? I don't know. And I had never heard this, but what do you do when you need to figure out a title? You go to a book called DeBrett's Peerage, and that is the Rosetta Stone for all of the peerages in the United Kingdom. So we went looking and I found something and my blood ran cold. In 1752 was born Alexander XII Marcus of Huntley. In 1784, he was named Baron Gordon of Huntley. Marcus Baron Gordon Huntley. Out of nowhere I got this information and as I read the bio of this guy, it was entirely plausible because he cheated on his wife and this and that and the other, that what I had picked up as a past life was correct. But the interesting thing was, once I put all the pieces together and knew that the karmic lesson was, he wasn't yours then and he's not yours now, like a light switch, the obsession dissipated totally dissipated so that's an example of why knowing some of your past lives is important because you can unplug old karma you can unplug old challenges by knowing it so that's one of my stories I have a second one that we can go with but I'm going to flip this for a minute. And give an example of a past life that I picked up for somebody else who came to me and said, look, I'm really worried about my son. He's 29. He won't make any uh, important decisions without talking to me. He won't live more than a mile from me. What the hell is going on? So I dropped into trance, went up to the Akashic and said, okay, I'm seeing 1944 Utah Beach. So this is D-Day. And I see your boy. He's a soldier. His leg's pretty badly mangled from a wound. You're his commanding officer. And I see you dragging him over a dune or something. You take some shrapnel, too. But you both escape. You both get out of there alive. You saved his life. And she looks at me and she says, can you see what my rank was? And I said, yeah, you were sergeant. And she looks at me and throws up her hands and says, he has called me sarge since he was three. And we never knew where that came from. Boom.
0: So the, uh, this concert you went to, the lead yep. singer was the Baron guy?
1: Was, was, uh, Baron Gordon of Huntley. Yes. Yes. And wow. weirdly enough, if you put a picture of my World War I life next to him, facial structure is very much alike, which may have also been a subtle key. Mm-hmm.
0: And all this information came, a lot of information came during the concert or was like before, during, after
1: the hit that there was something about this guy that I was absolutely attached to came literally first time I laid eyes on him in concert, (laughs) all the other research I did. And I had had, you know, a few, few times of actually meeting him, you know, just fan to fan, um, I was still obsessed until I put the information together outside of the concerts.
0: Mm-hmm. Then
1: like, like I say, like a light switch off. i would got, I'd gotten the lesson.
0: Nice. So what's the other life that you were going to discuss? World war
1: one. Right. Yep. Now I was born, as I say, a nice Jewish kid in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. My father was in the occupation army over in uh, Vienna, Austria in 46. He was a doctor. So he was taking care of people that would have cheerfully seen him in a, in a gas chamber in a concentration camp, but he did it anyway. Um, I was always taught that Germans were bad. They're dangerous. I had nightmares of Nazis growing up. I couldn't stand to hear german spoken and i didn't know from world war one it's not a kind of thing that we really learned in school i was not with my husband i was dating somebody else at the time he wanted to go to a place called the old Rhinebeck aerodrome which is a flying museum in Rhinebeck, new york it's very very cool and they have 1909 blerios to 1930s barnstormers and I said, sure, we can go. But then can we go to Woodstock, please? Because you know, the little town of Woodstock is nearby. I wanted to do the hippie candle thing. Fine. So we get there. <clears throat> and you know, I'm looking, yes, dear, old airplanes. Yes, dear, rusty engines. Yeah, get me some iced tea and popcorn. We'll watch the show. And then can we go to Woodstock? OK. So we watched the British planes and the American planes and the French planes. And all of a sudden, they brought out and started flying two of the German planes from World War I. One of them was an Albatross D5A. The other one was a Fokker triplane. That's the Red Baron and Snoopy thing. Mm-hmm. As I watched the Albatross start up and take off, there was a soundless explosion in my head and in my heart. And as I watched that one fly and the triplane fly, two thoughts came to mind. I flew that one and there's a story here. Within 24 hours, I had to know everything I could find about World War One. I. I had to learn, not just hear it, learn German. I looked at pictures of German pilots and some I didn't know and some I knew were my best friend and some I couldn't stand and Within about a week, the guy I was dating said, have you noticed anything different? So I started doing research in this. This is also when my own ability started kicking up. And I was working with someone in Colorado. She had twin kids. She was a very good psychic and channel, but she hid it because she didn't want her kids taken away. But we were doing work, and at one point, we were bringing her back to the life that apparently she and I had shared then, and she identified me as one particular pilot. Now, before I had gone out to see her, I had done some spirit guide work with someone who You know could bring you down into hypnosis and he said you're in a boat and you're going to go off the boat you're going to look down you're going to see your feet and then you're going to look up and you'll see you and my feet had boots and I see myself and this is before I had done any of the serious work and I had a very angular face and dark wavy hair and I was chain smoking and very, very sad, tall thin. The pilot that this girl identified me as was exactly what that looked like. And it explained why I had the visceral heart level connection with some of the specific pilots that I saw. Later, I was able to purchase an observation map. Now, what were these? These were composite pictures that were taken in 1916 and put together so that pilots would know where the enemy lines were, where to bomb. And this is an actual piece that my pilot would have held, would have looked at with his squadron mates and it's labeled and it had the provenance. I got it from the person who is known as the number one World War I aviation antique dealer in the world. And when I put my hands on it, it's like my brain split in two. I was in the living room where I was looking at this, but I felt my body shift. I could hear uh, my uh, companions clattering down the stairs at the French Chateau we had taken over and I remember that there was the stamp on the composite map that said Geheim, which is secret and somebody I heard laugh and say in German it won't be secret much longer the idea being you were going to go and bomb whatever when I did a little more research on him expressions that I use, that no one else uses in my family, were in his writings. Um, He was a violinist who was also an engineer, brought his violin to the front. My grandfather was a violinist, good enough to have gotten into Juilliard, but his family said, we don't need a violinist, we need an engineer for the factory. So he became an engineer violinist. Um, When I did a tour of the Western Front in 1992, I stood in those chateaus at Markubique, at Rucor, And it was literally like echo chambers. To know that you're standing where this soul stood at that point 75, 80 years ago, you don't get that very often. But it is what totally convinced me that knowing a past life is important. It also explained to me why I was born into a Jewish family, because the pilot was Catholic and anti-Semitic, but that's what everybody was then. So being born into a Jewish family helps correct the karma. I remember my commanding officer introducing me to a pilot named Wilhelm Frankel who was the only Jew who ever got the biggest award you could get the blue max. And I remember his putting his hand out to me. I put my hands behind my back, nodded very stiffly, but wouldn't even touch it. These are the kinds of things that notice it's not, I must've been a princess, but these are things which deliberately touch my life this time. And with spirit's way of saying, if you think this is helping you, then what is it going to do for other people? This is your work.
0: Yeah, I think this is a perfect example of how you can understand yourself better Mm -hmm. by remembering or having someone like you help remember your past lives. And then Mm -hmm. things will start making sense your, your language, your reactions, exactly. your feelings,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, 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 and researching it's great. And this is another example of how, if you're pulled toward researching something, do it. There's a reason why you're, you want to know you're seeking information.
1: Yes. Um, there was a woman that was from the Midwest And she had absolutely no connection, but she was fascinated by the Underground Railroad. And so she came to me and said, can you help me figure out why? And I went upstairs and I got a very sharp vision immediately. I said, I'm seeing a small whitewashed room. Ceiling is rather low. In fact, you've got two tall gentlemen who are standing in there bent over so they can fit in the room. You are kneeling by a little rickety bed that has a dying, very old black woman in it. Your clothing says this is 1863 or four. Uh, It's gray serge and there's black sutash trim around uh, your sleeves, the peplum of the dress and your hem. And you're all grieving because this was a woman who had made it up from a Mississippi plantation. She was almost to Boston to the end of her Underground Railroad uh, journey, but she was dying and she wasn't gonna make it. And I open my eyes, because I always close my eyes to see these things better. And the woman in front of me is just crying soundless tears. And when she got her voice back, she says, I've had that exact dream for 20 years and I have never known what it's about. I thought I was making it up.
0: That's amazing.
1: You know, I, I often tell people, I take my work very seriously, me not so much. But being able to do that kind of thing, is very profound. And yeah. i very lucky that spirits chosen me to help people with
0: it. Now, you also co- connect with people's higher selves, right?
1: Yes. How often? How often? Do you...
0: Okay. And then I have a question One for second.
1: you. Sure. Our higher self. All right. Everybody who is listening, I'm going to assign you an audio visual aid. You're going to look at your hand. And the palm up towards you and your fingers splayed out. Your higher self, your full soul is the palm. Notice it doesn't fit into the fingers. So parts of your soul, certain recipes come down and the fingers are like incarnations, okay? Notice they're still attached to the full soul. So that's why you have an incarnation and then you bring all the information back to your soul what's the palm and the wrist that's your connection to god so this explains why you can still have part of your soul outside the body up in heaven or whatever while you're down here being a person and a personality and learning things. now your question was
0: and then how many little pieces of us are out there is, is it unlimited
1: oh yeah i mean i Someone told me I had 37 lives. Am I better than someone that had 12? No, it's just what you're doing. It's like, I have almonds in my cabinet. Does that mean I'm better than someone who has pistachios? No, they're (laughs) both nuts. Um, Some souls really do deep dish. Some souls prefer doing their work upstairs because an incarnation down here, this is limited, this is duality, but it's how we learn. People very often hear about the idea of a white room. White curtains, white carpet, white piano, with white keys, and you're dressed in white. You have no idea what purple is. The indigenous people of the Arctic have 250 words for snow, but not one for palm tree. They've never seen a palm tree. It's not in their existence. So there's much that we can learn down here, which is where we bring in karma, And please, guys, please, karma is not carrot and stick, bad and good. That's the kindergarten version. Karma is five things. Unbalanced energy, which is a neutral. Healing, service, contrast. You want to learn about abundance. You need to have a rich life and a poor life. And healing of beliefs. And my favorite example to use for this is Ryan White. Now, if you remember... Ryan White, in the late 80s, very early 90s, was a kid who got AIDS from a blood transfusion. Mm -hmm. This is back when they knew very little about AIDS, and it was a horrible stigma. So he was hounded out of school. His family was a pariah in their community. It was pretty awful. The old way of thinking was, he must have been so horrible that God did this to him. Not true. On the other side of the world, you had Elton John, who was drinking and drugging and, you know, having sex and basically destroying himself fast. He meets Ryan's family. He is so moved by Ryan's courage and good humor, he becomes a close friend. When Ryan dies, he plays the piano at Ryan's funeral. He goes back to England and shortly thereafter gets clean and sober and has been that way for over 30 years, from Ryan's example. And then he started the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which has raised over half a billion dollars for AIDS and HIV support and research worldwide. Now, if you understand that Ryan's karmic challenge was service, then it makes sense. His soul in the pre-birth planning said, tough life, short life, but look at the massive difference I can make in the world. Let's go there. Love it. So my my
0: actual question about the higher self is, yes. can your higher self be a being that's not humanoid or human?
1: Of course, because your soul isn't a human soul or an e. T. soul It's a soul. Mm-hmm. It's like, um are you Scottish because you put on a kilt? And then the next life you put on a Serape. So no, he wasn't Scottish, he was Mexican. No, the person is the person just wearing clothes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there are some souls that spend most of their time not on earth that I call those other. And if you run into someone who down here just doesn't feel like they belong and they want to go, they say home. When I was writing for um, a graphic novel series called Elf Quest, it's very famous, it's been around for 40 years. I understood other because of the idea that the elves part of this this world that was created looked like elves, but they were actually space beings who had come down thousands and thousands of years ago. So very often when I'm working with a client who's like this, I will say to them, okay, I'm going to say two words. You must immediately tell me which one you resonate to. Human, other. And if they're other, their eyes fly open like I have given them the keys to the kingdom. They go, oh my God, other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you have to think about it, no, baby, you're human. I have always been the human. <laughs> this soul loves the human experience, but I'm something of an ambassador to other because they don't scare me. They don't yeah. scare me. And the best movie to understand other is one called Powder. And I think, again, that's from the, the 80s or 90s.
0: So what kinds of other have you encountered these other higher selves?
1: Oh, I call them half wings. They are, um, they tend to spend their lives either on other planets uh, or they tend not to incarnate into physical bodies like at all. Um, they are down here, they're foreign exchange students. Think of it that way. Okay. If you spend most of your life in the uh, Pleiades (laughs) and you come to Earth, then that's the equivalent of my being a theater major at Brown and spending one semester over in London. Okay. I still go to Brown, but I'm over there for now. This
0: 100% makes sense to me.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm definitely an other. How long have you known you've been other? Not
0: long probably well that's not true probably my whole life but confirmed the past couple of years
1: it happens look we're we're moving into crazy times (laughs) we we just are yeah one of the things that i have known about my own soul is it tends to come in if you will on the losing side when things change in the wars of the roses i was a yorkist world war one i was a german And look at what's going on with the United States now, how it's collapsing. And am I going to die in a war from it like I did those two times? No, they were male lives and they were warriors. This time I'm an elder, I'm a healer and I'm here to help light a few candles in the dark.
0: Yes, exactly. Plus
1: look at how fun this is. (laughs) crazy times it it is pretty amazing um you know I I didn't really think I was going to do this people say you know were you psychic as a child blah blah blah. not really when I was nine I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes and wow there's magic in the world I want to go find it So fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school and I was working part-time at Spencer Gifts. That's when Live and Let Die came out with Jane Seymour as Solitaire the card reader and they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck and I bought it because we were all hippies then. You had your elephant bell bottoms, you had your fringe jacket, and you had your cat. Now five years later Everybody else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls, but I was still with the guides. I loved the stories they told. So for 20 years, I read for friends. Just read, didn't charge. Learning to keep my own ego out of the way so I'd be a clear channel for the information. That's why in the early 90s, all of a sudden I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people and do the past life stuff without any training. Because that's when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, greetings, you're working for us. So I hung out my shingle part-time, but still bounced from career to career to career, trying to find something that I loved. Actress, author, inspirational speaker, the graphic novel writer, a video producer, a legal assistant, an executive recruiter, but always the psychic on the side. When my husband and I watched the towers burn on 9-11, I turned to him and I said, I got to do this work full-time. People need to know there are other answers out there. And he said, I believe in you, you go do it. So for one more year, I worked 70 hours a week as an executive recruiter for a woman who threw files at my head when she didn't like what I told her, making sure I could make a living at this. And in 2002, I shut the door in corporate and I've never looked back. And so now I work six days a week. I read about a thousand people a year and I get to get up every morning. I don't have to get up every morning. That's the key to everything. Find what you love. Find your sentence of passion, what you want to leave behind in the world when you're gone and you will get to get up in the morning too. Same thing.
0: Yeah. And for the love of goddess, practice what you learn. Mm -hmm. You know, you practiced for 20 years.
1: And I'm sure I'm a better intuitive now than I was when I started in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's like you go to the gym once, you can lift a five pound. you go every day 50
0: pounds yeah heavyweight lifter (laughs)
1: exactly so exactly
0: so so my audience tends to be very open-minded they love stories obviously and Mm -hmm. is there anything that you would like to share with them today about this year or what's coming up or
1: well for that, I tend to send people to my buddy who I consider one of the best astrologers I've ever met. Her name is Pat Dumas, D U M A S, and she's in York, Pennsylvania. Um, the thing is, we're hitting the Pluto return for the United States. Where was Pluto in 1776? Right here. Mm-hmm. So the next two years, remember, Pluto is the tower card, is destruction and rebirth. We will never go back to life the way it was in 2019, just like after World War I, you didn't go back to life the way it was in 1913. And you can't bemoan what's gone. That's frankly the difference between a boomer and an elder boomers and by age i'm a boomer are we had the best cars the best music everything was great we were able to do this why can't you you look at the millennials and the gen z's we never feared going to school because someone might shoot us we never feared that the earth might be uninhabitable in our lifetimes. we never feared that our neighbor may decide to give us a shot in the head because they don't like the fact that we vote blue or we took a vaccine. But this is where they are now. Elders may have the same chronological age as boomers, but we know that it's we're off the stage now, and we have to bring the millennials and the Gen Zs into the spotlight. We need to offer them any timeless information that they find useful if they ask but it's no longer about us. All we can do is support them to find their way and make the world better once we're gone. That's what I wanna tell people for now. If you are, you know, Gen, Gen X kind of teeter totters in between the two, but if you're a boomer, you owe the youngsters. There are some wonderful things that our generation created and there's some real horror stories. You support them. You don't put them down. You don't give them well. When I was a kid, stories. You don't do the philosophical equipment uh, equivalent of "get off my lawn." Now the world is theirs. Help them. That's our job.
0: Love it. So, what about Gen X? <laughs> How do
1: we fit in there? <laughs> Gen X. Um, you know, they have to be very careful because they grew up. Uh, during the Reagan years where it was the Wolf of Wall Street, it was make money, it was material, material, material. And you can do it all. We were individualists, you know, love, peace, flowers, trying to find new ways of doing things. Y'all grew up with the idea, the one with the most toys when they die wins. And that doesn't work anymore when you have supply chain issues. Mm -hmm. when things are finite. You know, it's in my book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, we address things like simplicity, life is a tiny house. And one of the challenges I give people is take 20 things that you love, put them all on the table, look at them for 30 seconds and then leave the room. Can you name them all? Do you remember where you got them or why you got them? Why you decided you needed them? No, go back, take five your five favorite things. Do the same exercise, and when you leave, you'll remember who, what, when, where, why about the whole thing. People need to envision life as a tiny house. When you live in a tiny house, you're very picky about what you bring in. You don't have a Nutribullet and a Cuisinart food processor and a Vitamix and a blender. You have one thing that does all of it. Yes, everybody in the house needs their own toothbrush, but everybody in the house does not need their own copy of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, learn to share. Mm-hmm. If we have learned to share long ago, a lot of what we're going through now would not be in the same place. The individual idea that what I want is the most important is one of the reasons why we're in trouble now. We have forgotten what it is to be the common good. Gen X could lead in that. They can Mm -hmm. prove, yes, I had 14 Xs, but now I only need two. And this is how I did it. It, it, The education of things, ideas, is going to be the most important thing that Gen X can do. Now that you're in positions of leadership, we're vacating them. Now they're yours. How do you want to change the world?
0: Well, Corby, it's been so fun talking to you today. Thank you for sharing your past life stories and your wisdom as an elder. Thank you. Um, Thank you can much. you share how people can find you if they're interested in having a reading, or what type of readings you're
1: offering right now? And oh, that... Tina, they can't avoid me. <laughs> <laughs> they just can't. I'm all over <laughs> the internet. Um,
0: num-
1: number one. Um, You can find me at my website, CorbyMitLive.com. And since I'm not sure what month this is going to go up, I won't say what specials I have going on now, but always check the specials button to see if there are any specials on the kind of reading you want. Uh, There are something like 25 different readings and consultations, so go through pick and choose. You can find me on Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Um. On medium.com is where I'm putting my blog posts these days. And if you want to work with me on a regular basis, I highly recommend you go find patreon.com. Patreon is a way you can support people you believe in. And there are different tiers. And you can work with me once a month. I have my little group that's called The Nest. There are special classes that I teach for people who are on the Patreon list. There's all kinds of wonderful ways to work with me so that we can give you more information and if you will, more arrows in your quiver to go live your best life.
0: Well, thank you so much, Corby, for being on the show.
1: It was great fun. Thank you.
0: Hi friends. Thanks for listening. This is your host of the weirdest experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you. I have my own energy healing business called stargazing angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218 or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E.